Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, noted bath guy Sam Purley of Hornets.com will join us to discuss the win against the Sacramento Kings last night. Malik Monk's excellent performance. We'll also preview the Cleveland Cavaliers game that's coming up tonight and this. Thank you so much for joining us despite Doug stalking you apparently looking at your LinkedIn page and trying to find a lot <laughs> I'm of interested. information. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We had him on before. Doug accused me of typecasting him as a math guy. We welcome Sam Purley to the show. He works for the Hornets, and you can find his work on Hornets.com. And you can find him on Twitter, at Sam underscore Purley, P-E-R-L-E-Y. Sam, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. Hey, Sam, you know, you're a math guy. The Hornets are first in the NBA and rebounding percentage during this five game stretch that has seen four victories come their way. An offensive mm-hmm. rebounding percentage is standing at 34.3%. Why the increase? What have you noticed that James Borrego was doing to see that type of increase in rebounding? I think it's, it, to be honest, I mean, you can look at the last two games. It's almost by default. You've had to start almost two, two set near seven footers and biz and Cody is one of the reasons behind it. But, you know, I think it's just one of those things that's finally clicked. It's, it's got to be a rebounding by committee. And you can think about flashback to two years ago when you had someone like Dwight Howard who was, you know, bringing down 15, 20 rebounds a night. And this team is, is kind of bought into this rebounding. Everybody's got to rebound. Everybody's got to crash the boards. You saw it last night in Sacramento, against Sacramento with Malik Monk having 10 career high 10 rebounds and he's a you know six one guard coming off the bench i think it's these guys are more and more just starting to buy into the rebounding and being aggressive pj was rebounding the ball really well before he got hurt so i think overall it's finally just started to click that you know terry's been a great rebound i mean everybody is capable of pulling down five or six boards a night and i think just this point of the season it's really really starting to reflect in the team's play Sam, great information. I mean, it, it's clear, like, you know a lot about the Charlotte Hornets. You live and breathe this stuff. And and anyone uh, that knows that, if they just go and follow you on Twitter. Uh, but what Walker is trying to do is put you in a box. He's trying to typecast you <laughs> as this person who is just a math guy. You're just concerned with the numbers. And I, I'm just not going to have it, Sam, because I know <laughs> – that he just wants to make you one-dimensional. I, I'm good with two dimensions, but I think you're a three-dimensional person. So, Sam, tell us, like, why basketball? Like, why the Charlotte Hornets? What, what, what why is behind? Why basketball? Yeah, why <laughs> basket? I want to know why he's doing this. Like, what is what is the meaning behind uh, your your love of basketball and love of sports? Um, I guess my job is that is that good enough answer? He's <laughs> <laughs> a math guy, Doug. Let him go with well, hold it. On, we hold on, hold on, Sam, hold on. Because I looked I looked you up on LinkedIn and it mm-hmm. looked, you got a master's degree in sports leadership. So what's I mean, there's gotta like what lies behind that? Yeah. Um this is not I mean I, I you know, grew up in Charlotte and you know, grew up rooting for the team. We go back and then I I've kind of been on a long road. This is not where I ultimately envisioned myself end up being, but it's kind of grew to where I wanted to be over time. And I've always kind of been a numbers guy in sports and went to school for something entirely different in history and sociology, a liberal arts school. And okay. Never really did anything with it. And then kind of latched on at ESPN for a couple of years, about eight or nine years ago now. And 
found out that that's I wanted to you know I was you know sports working in sports is going to be something that made me uh, happy and kind of took the steps to put myself in position to work in it and went back to school and you know interned and did contract work and just did more and more to it so I've always you know I've loved the, the Charlotte sports scene here I grew up here moved away and then came back about seven or eight years ago so um love the nba i love that there's something every single game that feels like there can be something different there's a different storyline and you know like you said different numbers but not even so much the numbers there's a human element of it i really enjoy seeing these guys get better the relationships they have with players the chemistry the team building i mean it's all just kind of uh addicting to me personally see that's great sam you're you're a layered individual someone who i try to be well didn't know that they were going to fall in love with this thing you stayed open you stayed available to let life happen to you and that's a great mm-hmm. lesson for people who are trying to figure out what this whole thing called life is supposed to mean. All right, go ahead, Walker. All right, Sam. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, despite Doug stalking you, apparently looking at your LinkedIn page and trying to find <laughs> no, no, information. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, uh, last night, the Hornets shot 26 of 50 in the paint and 13 of 30 on three-pointers. For the game, they were 39 of 81 and attempted just one mid-range shot all game. Hey, Sam, you're a math guy. Do you see the Hornets playing to the idea that the mid-range should be extinct more and more and kind of playing to that identity? Oh, absolutely. I think it was a priority at the beginning of the season. James Borrego really emphasized it at in training camp. And I don't know off the top of my head where they are at rim conversion right now, but I know they were at least 29th last year, maybe even last. So JD put a huge priority on that this season and shooting more threes. And it just seems like you have guys out there that are doing more and more. You've got, got everybody basically on the floor at this point can either drive to the basket. And if there's nothing there, you've got multiple options and can pass it out to the three point range. So, I think outside of maybe Biz, and he's been phenomenal in his own, you know, right. Everybody out there is, is can put the ball on the floor, drive and shoot three. So real the versatility and the balance across the rotation right now. And you're even seeing guys, Cody Martin, the MKG are shooting more and more from three. So yeah, last night was, the, I'm sure if JB woke up this morning and saw we, Hey, we shot one mid range shot last night. He'd be, uh, pretty pleased with that for sure. Hey, Sam, you're yeah. a human being guy, right? Like you have feelings, yes. you have emotions, you, you have <laughs> thoughts do. like that are beyond numbers, right? Like you, so what do you think about all this load management stuff? I mean, are you in favor of load management or does it make you upset as somebody who likes to see the best players play every night? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's, it kind of just depends on, on the team and the situation. Obviously it's you're, you're a team like, the Clippers or the 76ers or the Lakers and barring some sort of catastrophic event, you're going to be playing 25, 30 games into the playoffs. And then I can understand it right now. I think it's, it's a tough, um, it's a tough dynamic for the NBA to navigate at the moment because they want their stars on TV. And, you know, you talk about, you know, fans come out of, you know, they can only see LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard once a year. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, it's kind of up to the teams. They got to do what's best for them. And, you know, there are certain teams in the league that necessarily can't afford to load manage their players necessarily. But, you know, it's, it's a problem that the NBA has had, and I think it's gotten better. I think there's still some solutions that need to be made. But, you know, because it is a superstar-driven league, and you know, people want to see LeBron and the Giannis and Kawhi Leonard and Luka matchups as much as possible. So, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm for it. I wouldn't say I'm against it, but I understand it. All right, great. You're angry about it. Perfect. 
you can, you can find all this information that I'm dropping, by the way, on Sam Perler, uh, Sam Perley's Twitter handle, Sam underscore Perley. Sam, you did tweet out that Malik Monk, after that performance, was now the second ever Hornet reserve with 20 points on 75% or more shooting and 10 rebounds in a single game following that win against Sacramento. Oddly enough, you mentioned he joined King's vice president of basketball operations, Vlade Divac, who did it on April 3rd, 1998 versus Indiana as the only other Charlotte player to accomplish that feat. Sam, you're a math guy, so I understand that you understand that the stats can't reach that kind of level because it happens so infrequently, but Mm -hmm. what about last night's performance from Malik Monk do you think is sustainable to the point where maybe he can play a little bit um, better this season that I think has seen him kind of go up and down. Yeah, no, it's uh, and another quick oddities too is Vladi Divac was actually at the game last night traveling with the Kings, so I'm not sure he was aware that he was him and Malik are now in such that an is exclusive weird. company. It's, but... it's a nice, yeah, it's a nice factoid. It is weird to see that. Um, but I think, you know, I, I one thing I kind of keep forgetting is how young Malik is. I mean, he is still 21 years old, which is... You know, he's been in the league at 19, and he's gone through two different coaches. You know, there was a little bit of an adjustment. I think the first year, people were figuring out what position he was going to play and, you know, kind of figuring out those areas. But last night was about as well-rounded and as balanced a performance as I think he's ever had in an NBA game. I mean, 23 points, shot 9 of 12, and it's at the rim. I mean, if you... The crazy thing is him is his shooting is so much better this year because he's attacking the rim. The three-point percentage is a little bit lower than it was the last two years. But if he can kind of get – which is odd because you would think if the three-point percentage were as high, it would kind of open things up for him to score at the rim. So, But he, I think he knocked down two or four last night. The rebounding was great. I mean, he's taking advantage of you know being aggressive. He gets the ball. And I think he even jokingly said last night, he said – Someone asked him, you know, what was kind of the key behind the 10 rebounds? I mean, I, I get the rebound. I can go. I can push the ball and gives him the opportunity to score more. But, again, he had a number of great passes down in the paint, pocket passes. I think he had a couple to, I want to say, biz in the first quarter. I mean, just really, really impressive performance. I think he's finding ways to impact games if his shots aren't falling, which I don't necessarily think was the case his first two years if it was if he wasn't scoring he wasn't really contributing as much. Now I'd say he might not put up, you know, 15 points tonight, but he's contributing with his rebounding. He's had, I think, two eight-rebound games now this year and a 10-rebound game all off the bench. Passing's a lot better. He's not turning the ball over, and you can see him definitely much more engaged on the defensive end, and, and it shows, particularly last night, against those, those talented Kings uh, wing players. Speaking of 21-year-olds, uh, Sam, you're – you know, you're a human being. I'm not 21. I know you're not 21, but you were 21 <laughs> once, and you've had experiences. Yes, I was. You've true. had life experiences. That's just you have math wisdom. Right there, you might call it. You you may even have regrets, Sam. If you could go back in time to your 21 year old self, what would you tell a, a young Samuel <laughs> yeah. Perley? It's a great question. It uh, is. It was, long, it was a long time ago. You're really you're really touching in deep to my uh, my inner Sam and the feelings. <laughs> That's today. great because you're a deep person. <laughs> I believe that. Um, I would just say, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, way back when I did not think I'd be doing what I am today, um, but I love what I do. And, you know, if I, you know, get as much out of, uh, you know, I was taking a lot of history and sociology classes, I think when I was 21 or um, I might have been actually at ESPN at this time when I was. What were you doing at ESPN? I just did stats and analysis, shocker. Uh, but I was working, you know, the six six to two a.m. shifts, three or four nights a week, and just plugging stats and watching college basketball and college football and 
just doing play by play and populating phones and the internet and things like that. So just kind of in the, the numbers cave, if you will, cause I, as you know, I am a math guy as well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sam Burley, the math guy joining us. Beautiful here wisdom though. Spot. I love that. So many it layers. All circles back. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's just, it's been a long road to where I got to and I, I wouldn't really change anything. I wouldn't go back and do anything different. Just, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing and work hard and got to where I got to where I, I didn't envision I wanted to be, but certainly where I want to be now. You can find his work on Hornets.com and you can find him on Twitter at Sam underscore Pearly, a terrific follow. He gives us all those factoids, all that stats, all the information that you could possibly want regarding the Hornets again on Twitter at Sam underscore Pearly. Sam, you're good sport, allowing us to play tug of war with your personality, man. Thanks so much for the time. Yes, thank you. Happy to help. (laughs) <laughs> always again that's sam pearly of hornets.com the original casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce get 100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked nba and using promo code locked nba no spaces no on in there locked nba and you can do that at checkout terms and conditions apply if you can't visit casper right now you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at locked on podcast.com slash offers more about the Sacramento game from last night on the other side of the break. This is locked on Hornets. And would you, what, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Shards? No, I would not have. It's time for more of the locked on Hornets podcast. We talked about it at the end with Sam, but the story of the night clearly was the way that Malik Monk performed. He was playing pretty well all game, and then in the fourth quarter, he was really good. I don't know why you're laughing. I mean, Malik Monk really was amazing last night. I just wanted to talk about him. Doug, was there anything that you wanted to mention about Malik Monk's performance, or uh, maybe if you wanted to apologize, or just anything else that you wanted to say about what Malik Monk did last night against the Sacramento Kings? I don't have anything to apologize for. No, oh, well, I don't think anybody's I'm, that. I'm on here bearing mm-hmm. my soul, giving you my honest opinion of what I mm-hmm. see. Now, if a player happens to go out and do something that, that runs against that, I mean, that's all mm-hmm. the better for Hornets. That's all the better for Hornets fans. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing in the moment, and things mm-hmm. change. That's what's fun about covering this sport is that players can do things uh, do incredible things that go against uh, what all the talking heads are talking about. I think it's clear that this team is listening to our show. I mean, we say things on the air, and then they go out and do the opposite. So I, I think it's clear that we are a motivator to this team, and I won't have anyone tell me any different. Yeah, thanks to Derek Weatherly for listening and mentioning that same fact that Doug just pointed out, that apparently these guys are listening to the show. Malik Monk's stat line last night, 9 of 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from behind the line, 10 rebounds, two offensive, four assists, one steal. He did have two turnovers. And I thought, Doug, if you follow Rob Perez, then he is a big fan of the quote, balbonic plague at the end of games when the shot clock is going to run out before the actual game clock. But the team which possesses the ball has uh, to run out the shot clock. Therefore, getting a turnover for whoever, whatever player has that basketball. Right. And I, I thought we might get that situation from Malik. I don't know if he was passing it to the ref. I don't know if he was no, passing no, no. it to Cody. Devontae it was, it was to Cody. Oh, it was a Cody, Cody wasn't okay, right. having it. Cody's <laughs> a vet, baby. He knows yeah, the deal. Yeah. So like, you're not, so you're not the, putting that. No, you're not putting that demon on me. Yeah, he did it. What's funny about it is everybody else has been so blatant, but Malik Monk tried to do it 
in a way that was nonchalant. But again, Cody Zeller just refused to touch that basketball. So he finishes with two turnovers, but I believe only one really that was legitimate. Right. Uh, Doug, I, I think people were asking this question on Twitter last night whether this was Malik Monk's best game of the season, whether it was his best overall game of the season, James yes. Brago pontificated whether it might be his best game of the season. Doug, it was. it's too small. People are thinking too small. I think this was the best overall game that I've ever seen Malik Monk play in the NBA. I think when you watched him play defense, I thought he was closing out on shooters. I thought there was a good understanding of where he was supposed to be. There was one play rebounding the basketball in particular. And again, I'm trying to remember who the Sacramento King was, but he boxed him out a much bigger guy. It might've been Holmes in there where he clearly boxed him out, was able to create a lot of physicality there in order to get that rebound and then go down the other end and provide a possession for the Charlotte Hornets. I thought he was amazing at attacking the rim. He actually hit a couple of three pointers. In fact, the first three pointer hit, I, 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 I kind of threw my hands up because I didn't want him to take that shot. It was a bad shot selection, but at least he was able to hit it. it. It not only was the best overall game that we've ever seen Malik Monk play this season. It was the best overall game we've ever seen him play in his pro career. I totally agree with that uh, for for a variety of reasons. I think he was engaged on both ends of the floor. And, and I mean, the rebounds show that. I think he was active on defense. And it makes you wonder, like, why hasn't this been a thing from the very beginning of his career? And I, I don't buy that this is magically a, a result of him putting in more time, you know, in the weight room in the offseason. I mean, this is simply just him being engaged. And you want to see this consistently from him moving forward. But I thought the, the big moment in this game, he had a few buckets early on in the fourth quarter to help stave off a, a, a run by the Sacramento Kings. But the big moment for me came with about six minutes left to go in the game. Malik Monk was red hot on offense. I mean, he was doing it. I mean, he was shooting threes well. He was getting inside, making things happen uh, at the rim. Uh, but he decides on two straight possessions to get the ball to Graham. Devontae Graham wide open. They run some set, set plays to get him open. And he passes the ball. Didn't have to. Could have taken it aggressively to the rim. Tried to extend his own, you know, statistics for the night. But instead, he has awareness. He is unselfish. And he helps the Charlotte Hornets get a win over the Sacramento Kings. So, yeah, I mean, totally. Best, best, game, of the, best game of the year for, for sure for him. No, oh, yeah. And, and again, I just think what he did overall was outstanding. And this is in a game where the backcourt continues to struggle. Doug Terry Rozier my God, was just awful offensively. There was a couple of really bad consecutive possessions for Terry Rozier. Well, and then he had, had the cherry, no he had the cherry topper at the end of the game. That <laughs> shot, the inexplicable shot, instead of holding the basketball, like, like let's just win the game, Terry. Like, what are yeah, you, uh, I don't understand what you're doing there. Did not like the decision-making from Terry Rozier in this game in large part. I, the decision-making was fine, in my opinion, from Devontae Graham. He just has struggled three straight games since the Nets contest. Well, I mean, they were putting a lot a of pressure on him defensively. Yeah. I, mean, you're see, I think you're seeing the results, and, and we've discussed it on the show. Rick is Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, is writing about it. I mean, teams are starting to adjust to Devontae Graham and the fact that he just, I mean, he can't score inside. I mean, his floater's not working. He struggles to deal with contact and either finish or get fouled. So teams are adjusting to that, and they're just running multiple defenders in, at him at the three-point line and forcing him either to take one of those two-point shots or give the ball up. 
Yeah, I want to go back to Malik Monk just for one second. Um, when you mentioned just him being in the weight room, like I agree, it doesn't have anything to do with his engagement level. I do think a third season in the NBA helps him understand where to be a lot better. And it seemed like he was struggling a lot with the mental side of defense his first yeah. couple of seasons. I think, of course, he's learning a lot more and therefore getting better on the defensive end of the floor. But I also think I really think the weight room has helped him in a very visible way to me. Like, I, I know we've talked about him finishing at the rim, Doug. He's been doing so at an excellent rate. I understand that some of that is finesse where he's kind of being a contortionist in the air. We saw a couple of those fun layups last night, but I also think, man, you're still getting contact. And Malik, if you open up the door and had a somewhat of a slight breeze come through the gym, he was going to get fouled by the breeze enough to where he wasn't going to be able to make it. But now he's finishing through contact. He's finishing with bodies on him. And I think the weight room has helped him in that. You're right about the engagement level. You know, that's the classic that every coach tells you. You don't have to be the strongest, fastest, or best to put 100% effort out there. And I get that, but I do think that the weight room has helped him quite a bit this season, finish on the offensive end and maybe hold his position a little bit more on defense. Yeah, there was one particular play. He got a great first step. I believe it, it was either on Fox or on Heald, and he got a great first step um, off a pass from Devontae Graham, and he drives. But the defender was still on kind of three quarters behind him, but he was able to kind of use that off-shoulder to guard against uh, that player, either knocking him a little further off his spot or from getting to the basketball. So, yeah, I mean, certainly certainly it has had an impact. But at the same time, I mean, I think it's, it's all – it's all upstairs with him. Uh, can and and can he be consistent? That's what oh, I, it that, mostly is. Yeah, that's no, what. I and I'll say this too. I think he's getting a little healthier. I think we saw him disappear over the past few games as he's tried to, you know, get get back from from his uh, health issues. So he looks healthy. He looks ready. Marvin looked healthy. My goodness, he was all yeah, over man. the place, especially early in this game. Monk took over late, but man, mm-hmm. Marvin set the tone for this team very early. I love Marvin Williams so much. I understand if they trade him considering the value that they would get back, but it's going to be sad to watch him go. Two other things I wanted to mention, actually a few before we start to preview the Cavs, just real quickly. Maybe we can do this quickly before we talk about the Cavs to save time, Doug, but Cody Martin, 25 minutes, three of four from the field did hit one three pointer. I thought defensively he was very good, man. Cody Martin is impressing me. And I think offensively what you're seeing from him is again, He looked scared out of his mind on offense for the beginning in the beginning of his career, right? The beginning of this year, Cody Martin looked scared out of his mind and he's making some decisive moves now on the offensive end. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's not panicking whenever he gets trapped or when there's a lot of ball pressure on him. Cody Martin has earned himself a lot more minutes in my eyes, and I think Borrego is responding to that. Yeah, I was confused why he lost minutes to begin with. I guess they were they wanted to work Nick Batum in there and see what what he could give them. Uh, but if if Batum is going to be dealing with injuries for the rest of the season, then I just want to see more Cody Martin. I mean, I, I just I feel like for the long term, it, it's going to benefit Co- because you're looking for guys who are going to learn quickly, and, and I think that's what Cody's doing right now. He's learning quickly. He's adapting quickly. And he's doing, he gives a consistent energy level. You don't always see that from young guys. You'll see young guys come in, they'll be all over the place one game, and then another game just look completely lost. Right now, Cody Martin, you know, makes mistakes here and there, but he is giving you a consistent energy level. 
the Hornets have won games over the past five to ten because of their defense, because of of their hustle, and that's what Cody Martin gives you. And I think he deserves more minutes. I hope it doesn't compromise the ceilings of the first round players. But what Mitch Kupchak has done is you mentioned you don't see the consistent energy level and you want guys to learn things quickly. Well, how about getting a four year player in the second round in Devontae Graham? How about getting a four year player in the second round in Cody Martin? And how about getting guys in a one and done age early in the draft, getting a PJ Washington who returns one year and a Miles Bridges who returns one year. So that has been the blueprint of Mitch Kupchak and that plays along in my opinion as far as guys who figure things out quickly they played in the college game quite a bit Cody Zeller I thought played well last night six of 13 17 points nine rebounds four assists from Cody and a couple of blocks I thought he played well one thing I want to mention uh, again real quickly Doug is Miles Bridges 21 minutes last night two of three from the field four points I wondered how Miles Bridges would play when PJ Washington was going to sit out and we still have a few more games where he's going to be out reportedly through Christmas. Hopefully it's not too much longer than that. There was successful surgery performed on him, but I do wonder how Miles Bridges would perform without PJ and it's someone where the minutes diminished a little bit and the offensive responsibility or at least the takeover offensively man three field goal attempts without PJ in there. I, I just wonder what we see for Miles going forward when PJ is on the sideline. I, I get that, and and I understand that. But at the same time, I actually liked what Miles Bridges did in this game. I thought he impacted it on the defensive end. I thought he had uh, uh, you know the one rebound that he had was actually a really good rebound. And, and I I don't know. I, I I actually admired this game from Miles. Who was I thought he affected the game in in uh, you know the, a lot of missed shots on the other side. And Miles was. Running, you know, closing out on defense. I actually like this game from Miles, so, even though four points. So I don't know if I would watch that game and think that Miles was awful. I, no, I, I don't think that. Saying. But 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 right. No, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, and that wasn't really my point. Three field goal well, attempts. I don't care. Well, here's Miles. the thing. I don't really care what your point is. I'm just <laughs> I'm here to to give my point, and then. I want to get your I want to get your point on this. I do. I want to get your point on this. I want Doug Branson's reaction to this, though. I'm not saying that Miles was awful because I agree like two blocks too. Yeah, you know, two blocks, just not a whole lot of stats accumulated in this one. But again, they didn't go to him a whole lot. Miles didn't assert himself offensively a lot. And remember, we had hypothesized that P.J. Washington might have hurt Miles in that regard at the beginning of the season, and he's out and three field goals. It doesn't mean that it's going to continue to happen, but it's something I'm going to be paying attention to. Well, and part of the problem, I think, too, is that you have Zeller in there who is going to be aggressive. He's going to initiate offense. He takes 13 shots in this game. Bismack Biombo's generating a lot of offense from putbacks, from offensive rebounds. And then, you know, the guards are trying to get back into the groove. The three Bs, ever since I named them the three Bs, it jinxed them. They're completely, they can't hit a three to save their life now. But they took 31 shots. So, you know, again, I'm impressed that Miles was not a part of the offense but managed to impact the game. Yeah. And, and there, and I think the next game you're going to see an adjustment and they're going to run some stuff for Miles to get him more involved. But I, but I like this from Miles. He's, he's, look, I just don't – Miles is not a star in my mind. I don't think he's going no. to be a player that they run the offense through at any point during his career here in Charlotte. 
but you want to see him impact the game in a variety of ways, and and I think he did that last night. And a part of that probably is Malik Monk playing more minutes because he was hot. Cody Martin playing yeah. twenty five. Marvin Williams having five field goals from behind the line, eight overall, and playing well. And Cody playing thirty one, which is more than his season average. So look, that all of that probably goes into consideration here. All right, they play the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight, second night of a back to back. Going to play that game on the road against the Cavs. We'll talk about that next in the final segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I, you know, <laughs> I just I spend this some time away from the show, and you're still the same old walker. All right, yeah, <laughs> give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun God, I was going to get. A plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, let's go rapid fire here, Doug. Cavs preview. We got some thoughts from Chris Manning of Locked On Cavaliers. Doug, you're a math guy. Why don't you help us out with some of the stats and some of the thoughts that Chris Manning provided us? Colin Sexton is a goodish scorer, says Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs. Goodish, yeah. Goodish. Goodish scorer. Not a greatish. Not excellent. Not an English guy, Chris Manning is. Not a, he's a goodish scorer, but does not pass. So the, just understand that. They're running this two-guard lineup right now with Sexton and rookie Darius Garland. Garland is starting to figure some things out, but struggled. Remember, he only played a couple of games in college, and that was year one. So, like, I mean, Darius is, you know, he, he was beloved, though, in the draft. You know, he was the darling of the draft, but right now he's not making anything around the rim. Kind of a little bit similar to Devontae Graham, I think, and that is his three-point shot starting to come around. But he takes a lot of floaters, and those floaters tend to miss. Uh, but he's uh, – uh, Chris Manning says he's not real confident in going up strong, so you have to adjust to that in the pick and roll. Just understand that. Keep him off the three-point line. Uh, Chris says overall the Cavs right now just a meh team. It's all very blah. It's blah. It's meh. It's good-ish. Even Kevin Love is off, and Kevin Love is – I think he's halfway out the door. I just don't think he's mentally – He's not prepared to go and try to win a game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He, he wants to go to Portland, baby. He wants to go play with Carmelo. Well, it certainly didn't seem like he was hiding it when he takes the three-second call in the paint because Carmelo. Darius Garland refused, or refused to pass. So, yeah, I think he probably is out the door. Just a couple of stats. Cavs rookie Darius Garland, as you mentioned, Doug, averaging 2.8 assists per game, which is actually the lowest for a team leader in the 24-second <laughs> They don't pass, clock. man. Well, it's, yeah, it's a combination. They don't. they don't pass. They don't move the basketball. They don't believe in beeline system, and they also don't make shots. Man, so that's a, a deadly combination for an offense. That, <laughs> they Look, the Cavs are terrible. The offense yeah. is no good. Their defense is 29th out of 30th. The Wizards right now are, are last in the league in defense. And I think they they they're last by a couple of offensive rating points. Like they are they are a special kind of terrible on defense. So in, in any other year, the Cavs would be last in defense if you didn't have the Wizards. That I mean, their their magic is how bad they are on defense. That might be the last win in a while. Uh, I know maybe they play. Who are the other teams that are coming up? I know it gets bad. They got the January. Jazz next. They got much. Boston after that. And then they take four days off, I believe, for Christmas. And then they've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think you're looking for Memphis on the road, December 29th. I think you're looking at Cleveland on the road, January 2nd. And then, you know, so (laughs) we're not talking about a whole lot more wins here, at least of the easy variety, at least of the ones that you might even expect the Hornets to be a favorite. 
this is one of the last few before January 4th starts and you have to go on the road to the Dallas Mavericks. Thanks for listening to us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. I'll be going solo tomorrow. Be back with you tomorrow to recap the Cleveland Cavaliers game as the Hornets face them on the second night of a back-to-back. -back.